Good morning. Please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. And in this difficult subject, talking about anger, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come alongside of us and lovingly show us areas that we need to show forgiveness. We need to pursue those who have something against us. May your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was eight or nine years old, I used to love boogie boarding at the Jersey Shore during the summer. And my cousin and his best friend were in high school at the time, so to go boogie boarding with them was even that much cooler. Of course, they never invited me, but I would just show up. One day, while I was boogie boarding with them, I noticed that they were using terms to describe what I didn't understand then, but I do now, the direction that the waves were breaking. And so in my attempt to impress them, I decided I would yell something out to them trying to use their language, and I took a wave and rode it all the way to the shoreline. I was so proud of myself, and when I turned around, I looked at these two high school students and I thought, they're going to open their arms and welcome me to the cool club. But to my shock, they were cracking up. They were laughing hysterically. They looked like they were drowning. And I was shocked. I was angry. I was embarrassed. I felt rejected. And so I took my boogie board and I proceeded to stomp all the way home. My cousin's beach house was right behind mine, and so as the story was told to me years later, I apparently left them a note. It was simple and short, and it said, I'm still angry at you guys, but if you want to play with me, I'll be at the park. If only we could manage our anger as simple as a little child. Children get angry. They get really angry but they're also quick to resolve their disputes. They don't hold on to it. One minute they're furious at you, and the next minute they're waiting to play with you at the park. But as adults, we struggle with anger. We have a hard time admitting it. And when we feel ourselves getting angry or we hear ourselves angry in the presence of someone else, we quickly try to hide it and stuff it. And so that leads me to offer a gentle reminder as we look at this text this morning. This message is for you. It's not for someone else who really needs to hear this. The Beatitudes are all about how we express our love as members of the kingdom of God to our neighbors and to our enemies. Because it's the truest reflection of our love for God. And so it begins with examining ourselves. So we see in verse 21 of Matthew 5, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Jesus is, of course, referring to the sixth commandment of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not kill. Under Old Testament law, God permitted killing only in times of war and capital punishment. 
And so this commandment was really a prohibition against unlawful killing. But by Jesus' day, it had been relegated to just be with regards to the outward physical act. If you did not physically kill someone, you were not in violation of the law. Love your friends, but if you really hate someone inwardly, well, at least that's not murder. But Jesus reminds us that anger is just as dangerous. You may not bring yourself to physically assault someone, but sometimes you wish you could. You may not ever see yourself in a position where you would kill someone, but maybe there's a person out there that you're so angry with, you wish they didn't exist. It can be subtle sometimes. I know we've all seen the panhandlers that stand on the corner at the red light. They hold up their signs, and sometimes we get irritated. We look at them and we say, I wish those people would go away. To Jesus, that's not a harmless thought. Why is this so offensive to God? Well, the main reason is because we're told in Genesis 9, verse 6, that we are all, male and female, created in the image of God. And so, as one author writes, he says, A person may not be killed for this reason, that he or she is either actually or potentially Someone who declares God's praise. And therefore, anybody who kills another person thereby robs God. So Jesus says, you all know the sixth commandment. Do not murder. And you would all agree that someone who murders should be liable to judgment. But do you also realize that anyone who is angry with someone is also liable to judgment. Now, the word anger is used in two different ways in the New Testament. One type of anger is the anger that suddenly flames up. And as quickly as it flares, it it also dies down and subsides. The anger that Jesus is referring to is the second use. This type of anger is much more deliberate It's long-standing. It's settled in our soul. It's the kind of anger that makes us think or say with scorn, I don't ever want to see that person's face again. Or, don't you ever mention that person's name in my presence. Jesus says three times with increased emphasis, anger is serious. It's really serious. It's so serious, you not only can destroy someone's life, but you might destroy yours as well. So he refers to two examples. Two terms. Now, in your Bible, you see that there is a translation that says, whoever insults his brother. In the original language, he says, whoever calls his brother raka. And then he goes on to say, whoever calls his brother fool. And we naturally ask, name calling? Really? 
But when we look at these terms, we realize it's not really name-calling that is the issue here. Raka is an Aramaic term, and it means empty-headed, good-for-nothing. It refers more to the intelligence of a person. The word fool is more about the moral character of someone. Whereas the empty-headed person doesn't really know what they're doing, the fool is very intentional about their decisions and their behavior. We read the psalmist say, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. But it's not really the definitions of these terms that Jesus is pointing out. It's the tone of contempt. It's as though if someone were to say to someone, you're hopeless, you're worthless, you are an idiot. See, anger causes us to express deadly insults that attack the name, the character, the sense of value of a person. We've all seen, many of us have seen parents who express anger towards their child, whether it's in a store or in the situation that I was in, it was a parking lot. Sometimes we're the parent who gets caught up in a moment of anger. But in this case, I remember vividly a mom who was pulling her three, four-year-old son to the car. It was at a school, and apparently the son had done something that warranted the school calling the mom to have her pick him up and take him home early. And this mom, I'll never forget, was aggressively pulling her son to the car saying, Who do you think you are? You think you're special? You're a nobody. You're no one. Anger left unchecked makes us say crazy things. I wonder what that young boy, now in his 20s, thinks of himself. These are words we never hear a child say. God knows and Jesus reminds us that being angry and expressing that anger in personal insults, slander, gossip, it can destroy someone's life. But you still may be asking, Jack, is Jesus really saying if I call someone a fool, I'm going to hell? Well, the word hell in Greek is Gehenna, and it literally means the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom was a place just outside the walls of Jerusalem, south of Jerusalem, and everyone knew what the Valley of Hinnom was. You see, back in the Old Testament, when kings were not following God's law, there was King Ahaz and King Manasseh who worshipped the pagan god Moloch. And part of that practice was child sacrifice. And we read that King Ahaz offered his own children as a sacrifice to Moloch, burned alive. In Jeremiah, there's a specific location mentioned that this took place in the valley of Hinnom called Tophet. And the root word for Tophet means drum. And many scholars believe that the priests would bang on drums and timbrels to drown out the sound of the cries of these children as they were being burned alive. It was an awful practice, and fortunately, 
we read that King Josiah, and for all you students out there that are watching via Facebook or here live, Josiah put an end to this practice when he was 16 years old. He changed entire culture and turned the hearts of the people back to God. And he cursed the Valley of Hinnom and he said, this is a place that will be cursed by God forever. And so by Jesus' day, the Valley of Hinnom was a garbage dump. It was the place where the corpses of criminals, animal carcasses, and garbage was just tossed. There was a perpetual fire that was just burning, and you could see smoke from a mile away. This is the image that people had when Jesus said, when you don't deal with anger seriously, you identify yourself with the Valley of Hinnom. Many of us say, Jack, I, I don't know what that's like. I've, I, it's awful to hear, but I want to tell you a quick story where my wife and I went to a drive through one night to have dinner. And we, I backed into my parking spot, and it just so happened that the spot was in such a way that the dumpster of the restaurant was in di- direct view of where we were sitting. So Jen and I sat there and had our cheeseburger and chicken sandwich, and we watched the rats scurry all around the dumpster. So, oh, look at that fat rat, Jen. Pass me some fries, you know. <laughs> we joked about how romantic the ambiance was that evening. We can all identify with a dumpster. It's a detestable sight and smell. And it's always separated from the establishment. Our dumpster is across the parking lot, far away from the facilities here. When we allow our anger to go unchecked, we separate ourselves from fellowship with God. We become comfortable hanging out at the dumpster. Like those drums at Tophet, anger gets so loud in our lives, it drowns out reasonable voices of godly friends. We're so justified in our anger, no one can speak truth in our life. Jesus said that kind of anger is a waste, just like the waste dump at the Valley of Hinnom. It's serious. So naturally, we ask, what are we to do? How could we make things right and treat people with the dignity of being made and created in the image of God? Well, Jesus gives us two illustrations in verses 23 through 26. And I just want to point out a couple of observations. One is that Jesus gives an illustration that refers to a friend And he gives an illustration that refers to an enemy. He also says that one takes place at the altar, a sacred place, at the temple. And the other takes place at a court, a secular place. In short, Jesus was saying, no matter who it is, and no matter where you are, deal with anger and deal with it quickly. Don't wait. Don't put it off. The second observation is we can really miss the subtlety in this. Jesus, in both illustrations, refers to someone who is angry with us. 
I don't know about you, but I find it much easier to go after someone with whom I'm angry and let them know how I feel and try to make things right. But it's a whole different standard of love when we are right about to offer an act of worship and God puts in our minds someone who has something against us, someone who's upset with us. And Jesus says, pause on the worship. It's more important that you go and make your best effort to resolve the conflict. The third observation is thinking about where Jesus is when he's saying these words. Jesus is speaking from Galilee. And so when he refers to the altar, where someone would give their gift at the altar, that is 60 to 70 miles away in Jerusalem. And when he says, leave your gift at the altar and go back, if you know someone has something against you, Jesus very well might be saying, I know you just walked three or four days to get to the temple. But it is so important to God that you bring reconciliation between you and that brother. That you go all the way back home and make your best attempt to make things right. And then, then you can come all the way back and offer your gift of worship. It's that important. To love our enemies, those whom we feel we have the right to be angry with, requires us to be peacemakers, to be meek, to be merciful, to want to do what is right so bad that we're willing to feel really uncomfortable, like being hungry or being really thirsty, to forgive and to apologize. To be perfect like God doesn't mean that we're sinless. It means that we love like God. We love people who are easy to love, and we love people who are difficult to love. So you may be sitting here this morning at your home or here in the church, and you may be saying, Jack, I'm like that person who's imprisoned by their anger. I have bitterness. I know that I hold a grudge against someone. I wish they didn't exist. I'm in that prison that Jesus talked about. Well, I have good news for you. The only way a person in prison can pay their debt is to have someone on the outside of, the conf- of their confinement pay their debt for them. And that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. So if you are that person that you know you hold anger towards someone, I implore you, repent. Confess your sin to Jesus Christ. Confess forgiveness for that person. And seek out a Christian brother or sister. Ask them for help. Ask them to meet you at a park. I'd like to close with this quote from Thomas Kempis, who was a monk from the 15th century. He writes, Be not angry that you cannot make others as you wish them to be since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are a surgeon that is careful when you cut us to the heart. So God, I pray that if anyone here 
anyone watching knows that you've brought someone to their mind that either they are angry with or who is angry with them. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us to go pursue them and make every attempt to bring peace, to forgive, to apologize, to listen. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.